0: Good morning, everyone. Today's Bible reading begins from the very first shelter of Isaiah. And this carries great significance, and not just for the people in Isaiah's day, but for you and me. And this morning we're going to look at this verse by verse. And I encourage you to keep your Bibles handy as we study together. But before then, let us pray. Our gracious God, we come again to hear your word, asking that your Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher, we come and give us understanding as we study together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The third verse verse starts by saying that prophet Isaiah saw a vision. Before we go any further, let me remind us what the Bible says about prophets and visions. In Numbers chapter 12 verse 6, the Bible says, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you. I, the Lord, will make myself known unto Him in a vision, and will speak unto Him in a dream. This simply means that whenever God wants to convey a message to His people, He gives a vision to His prophets to tell the people. The book of Isaiah is full of such visions, starting from the first chapter which we read today. Before we explore the message contained in this vision, I think it will be helpful if we look at a bit of history so we can see the problems in the time of Isaiah's ministry. Isaiah, the son of Amos, ministers from about 740 to 680 BC. For about 20 years, he spoke to both the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. After Israel's fall to the Assyrian in 722 BC, Isaiah continued to prophesy to Judah. This period of Isaiah of Israel's history is told in Second King, chapter fifteen through to chapter twenty-one, and Second Chronicle, chapter twenty-six through to chapter thirty-three. Isaiah was a contemporary prophet, along with Hosea and Micah. By the time of Isaiah's ministry, the prophets Elijah, Elisha. Obadiah, Joel, Jonah, and Amos had already completed their ministry. By this time, Israel had been in the Promised Land for almost 700 years. For their first 400 years in Canaan, judges ruled Israel. These were spiritual, military, and political leaders whom God raised up as the occasion demanded. Then for about hundred and twenty years three kings reigned over all Israel and they were Saul, David and Solomon. But in 917 BC Israel had a civil war and remained divided into two nations, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Up until the time of Isaiah. Up until the time of Isaiah, the northern nation of Israel had some eighteen kings, all of them bad and rebellious against the Lord. Eighteen kings, all of them were rebellious against the Lord. Then the southern nation of Judah had some eleven kings before Isaiah's ministry, some good and some bad. In the time of Isaiah, Israel was a little nation, often caught in the middle of the world, between the three superpowers, and they were Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon. As Isaiah's ministry began, there was a national crisis in the northern nation of Israel. The superpower of Assyria was about to engulf the nation of Israel during the span of the ministry as a prophet. And the southern nation of Judah was faced with repeated threats from the larger surrounding nations. I'm not trying to bore you with history this morning, but I think it's good for us to get a background picture. Of, about the prophet Isaiah and his ministry. But the point here is that Isaiah's generation is very much like our days today. Isn't it? Divisions, political crisis going on in the world today. Divisions in Israel, political crisis, and lots more. These two months attracted God's attention and he gave Isaiah this vision, saying, And I want you to open your scripture now. So we're going to go to verse 2 to 4. Verses 2 to 4. And he says, Hear me, you heavens. For the Lord has spoken, I get children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey his owner's manger. For Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Aha! Sinful nation! A people loaded with guilt, a blood of evil jewels, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spawned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. In this passage, God called heaven and earth as witnesses against Judah. The leaders and people of Judah have resisted His will, and God now stated His case against them. We might think of heaven and earth as a jury that God presented the case before. But Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and levels with both pains together until now. Creation is waiting for the deliverance that will come. When the Messiah rules directly over all creation, when God's people disobey, we might say there is a sense in which they delay the resolution of all things. So heaven and earth, from that passage, have an interest in our obedience. The leaders and people of Judah were like rebellious children who never appreciate all that their parents did for them. As parents, we can appreciate how frustrating it is for our children to disregard and disobey us, isn't it? It fills us with righteous indignation and we think after all I have done for them, they treat me like this. After everything I have done for them, they treat me like this. But we have treated God even worse than any child has treated their parents. Isn't that true? We have disobeyed God in many ways. The leaders and people of Judah were not like dumb animals, such as the ox. And the donkey, Isaiah mentioned. They were dumb and dumb animals. The ox at least knows his owner. But Judah did not know who owned them. Donkeys know who takes care of him. But Judah did not know who took care of them. God clearly and strongly exposed their sin. They were laden with iniquity, a brood of evil doers, that is what Isaiah says in that passage, and have provoked the Lord to anger. This rebellion has left many parents asking the question, where did we go wrong? Why all this things happening to me? God is asking the same question in verse 3. The ox knows his own and the donkey is master's owner. But Israel do not know. My people do not consider. And I'm going to ask you this question this morning. Do you know Jesus as a Lord and personal Savior? Do you know Him? Do you think that this nation, United Kingdom, still recognize the presence of God? The animals that God has given man dominion over know who their owners are. They will come when He calls and dwell in the place that is prepared for them. And yet, the people of God act as if they do not know God or even consider that there is a God. It pains me a lot when people say they don't believe in God. We see that a lot in the time we go out to it in the course of our evangelism, in the community. And people say, No, I don't believe in God. It pains me of me. Why? And the biggest question will be: what wakes you up in the morning? How do you know that today is Sunday? What wakes you up in the morning? And yet people still doubt the existence of God. I don't believe in God. It pains me. Our nation, United Kingdom also, is in trouble because they have abandoned God, isn't it? Can't you see it? You open the television today, is there good news? No, bad news. You hardly see something that will press rather than someone being starved on the streets. And when you look at the age limit between these youngsters, it's from 11 to 15, not far from it. Immorality is increasing every day. The battle of life crime is an increase. What about the suicide rate? Even in Saint Helens, is high. <laughs> what about drugs? Addicts. We are not educating our youngsters about the consequences of living an immoral life. The pockets of poverty are growing. And the question will be, can the roots of our program be the same, just like the time of Isaiah? The answer is capital yes. And just like the Israel says, our only hope is to return to God. That is the only way out. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. They have said in their hearts, like we say in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 4. Where is this promise of his coming? That's what Peter was saying. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. God won't do anything in my lifetime. I've got all the time in the world. I want to let you know, my brothers and sisters, that the time is running out. Then Revelation chapter 10 verse 6 says, And He swore by Him who lives forever and ever, who created the heavens and all that is in them, the earth and all that is in it, and the sea and all that is in it and said, there will be no more delay. Many are the people of God that do not consider that there is a God. They take God for granted. Are you taking God for granted? Do you come to God when you have run out of your options? In fact, God should be the second option. Let me try what I do. Then if I do some sin, then I will consult the Almighty God. Is it how you live your life? Then we now move on to verse 5 to 10. In Isaiah chapter 1, verses 5 to 10, and it says, Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your feet to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and wells and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or suited with olive oil. Your country is desolate, your city is burned with fire, your fields are being striped by foreigners right before you led west as when overthrown by strangers, daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege, unless the Lord Almighty has left us some survivors. I just want you to underline that verse 9. Unless the Lord Almighty has left us with some survivors, We would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Then verse 10, Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. From this passage, we can see that despite their sin, God did not wish evil upon Judah. Instead, he longed for them to repent and to make it easy on themselves. God has chastised Judah and they did not respond. They will continue to be stricken as long as they rebel because of their rebellion against God. Judah was in a bad place. This is where their disobedience and lack of submission brought them during the reign of Ahaz you remember in verse 1 Ahaz was mentioned and Hezekiah was also mentioned and it says during the reign of Ahaz the kingdom of Judah was attacked by Israel, Syria Edom the Philistians and Assyria in 2nd Chronicles chapter 28 it was also written in verse 19 of that second chronicle, chapter 28, that for the Lord brought Judah low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Unfaithful to the Lord. As well as Judah states, Worse because of their sin. It could have been worse. It was only by the mercy of God that they survived at all. The same with us this morning. It's all by His mercy that we are not consumed. And if you're here this morning and you have not made peace with Jesus, you don't know Him as your Lord and personal Savior. Now is the time. Tomorrow might be late. Every time God gives us an opportunity to make things right, now we just overlook that and say, you know what, God, let me enjoy life now. Tomorrow I'll sort it out. But now is the time for you to come back to Him. Are you still living in sin? Swim in the ocean of the sin. It's now the time for you to make things right before Him, the Almighty to Jesus as a loved and personal Savior. Imagine the synonymous He worshiped verse 10 of Isaiah chapter 1, mentioning the Sodom and Gomorrah. You and I you know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 19, verses 1 to 25. But because of God's mercy, and God said, yes, because of what happened in verse 9, And God said, I will show them mercy to forgive them. And we don't deserve it. But God loves us and shows us mercy. What happened in Genesis chapter 19? Abraham prayed. We had a conversation with God. God wanted to destroy the city of Sodom and Gomorrah because they were full of immorality. Homocentral was an increase. Terrible sin in the city. And God said, I can't tolerate it anymore. I have run out of patience. It's time to destroy the city. And Abraham said to God, what about if we find 50 people? And God said, yes. If we have 50 people, no. I'm not going to do anything. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? Ten. Only his cousin, Lot, escaped. Now escaped from the city and it was destroyed completely. And Judah would have been in that position. But because of God's mercy, because of verse 9, you got mercy. And that mercy is what I want to live with you this morning. It's because of God's mercy that we are not consumed. And it doesn't matter the gravity of what you have done. It doesn't matter, the level. You can come to Jesus now. Because tomorrow might be late. And ask Him to forgive you. He is willing to accept you back. You remember the story of the prodigal son in the Bible? After squandering his father's money, yes, he thought it wise to go back to his father. And what happened? His father went from him. The same thing we do this morning. If you are still living in sin, come to Jesus. Allow Him to come into your life and change everything about you. The last food for thought says, I think that sometimes we forget how merciful God is towards us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Is only his mercy that we are not concerned. Let us pray.